Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to our show's year-end celebration. This is your Kanko Gaido here with you today to share some of my favorite parts of this last year in terms of our interviews and all the wonderful guests that we were able to have on the show. I truly wonder if your favorites will end up matching up with mine. If anything you hear today makes you want to re-listen to an episode, or maybe listen to it for the first time, I'm going to be including the episode link either through Spotify or Apple Podcasts to bring you directly to that episode, and we'll include that in our show notes for today. I truly can't thank all of you enough for being such a huge part of the show and truly look forward to what 2024 brings us all. And although at the time of the recording, we are not at 10,000 downloads, I know we will be when this is released. And to think in two and a half years time that I could go from when I began with, you know, 12 episode downloads for the month or 24 up to the point to where we are beginning to have 600 downloads a month become the new norm. I don't know what I would have said back then, except to say now I do know what to say right now, which is I'm thankful and it truly means the world to me to be able to share Japan and all of our guests with you on a regular basis Thank you all for continuing to download, listen, talk about it with friends, pass the time with, and plan your trips. Thank you all so much. And kind of in that vein, before we see if your favorites really do match up with mine, I want to take a moment and make an early request, as I really want to give as much of a chance as possible for you to actually be a part of the show. Have you ever wanted to hear yourself on a podcast? Well, that time is coming, my friends. You can actually be a part of the show's three-year celebration next summer. For that reason, I'm going to start requesting now uh, audio recordings that you can do very easily on your phone or just a written story that you email to me, and I'm going to either read those written responses or I will just press play and let you hear yourself uh, on the podcast sharing a couple different things. Any of the following will work. What I'm looking for is just what is a favorite, your favorite memory of a time in Japan for you? Or if you haven't been yet, What are you looking forward to do the most on your first trip? You can also just go the route of, hey, Mike, over the last three years, here are some things that I enjoyed about the show. Truly just looking forward to seeing what your responses are, what you share, and then sharing those with everybody that listens. So please email those in to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. I truly look forward to celebrating this special event with you, and I can't wait for August to be here and just uh, collect all of those different things. I will continue to give shout-outs and reminders, but truly, they can't come early enough. I will throw them into a folder for safekeeping and just have those started being added to Adobe Edition 
as early as now. So feel free to anytime. And with that, we're going to be on to the show, on to some of those interviews, and we're going to have Kesha from Ikigai Connections and Nihongo Jobs kick us off today. Thank you all. Have a great winter break if you get to have one and a fantastic start to your new year. When you're um, like you are able to return to Japan, do you have any go to locations or things that you're like the first thing I step off the plane that, you know, besides sleep that I, that I want to <laughs> yeah. do? Like, what are some of those things uh, that you'd like to return to? Oh my goodness. Honestly, miso ramen is the first thing that I want to eat when I get back. But I, I want to plan my trips around two times, either the cherry blossom time, which is very hard to um, to schedule, of course. But there's it's also when the most people are there in Japan. So it's very crowded and very expensive. But the other one is in the fall when there's this shrub bush called the kinmokusei that starts to bloom. And it's the smell is really, really, really good. It's my favorite smell on the whole planet. And it's even harder to gauge when that's going to happen. But it's sometime in October, depending on which area you go to. So honestly, I, that's kind of what I want to do. So food and smell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I got to say, like when I was able to visit in November, when I went through Fulbright, um, that was my favorite trip. Just hands down, nice. like being in Kyoto when all the leaves changed and it was just like yes. as far as you could see. Just, oh, like I, I, I could 100% get behind that. And one of these days, yes. you know, I, I love my, you know, summertime because I have that time off. But yes, at some point in time, I will definitely, you know, follow in your footsteps uh, for that one. So <laughs> nice, nice. when I speak with a lot of job seekers and I ask them, what do they like to do? What would they like to have their careers be revolved around? Most of the time they say, I don't know. And those tend to be people who are still kind of in college, or maybe they're back from the JET program and they're really not sure because they haven't experienced it. So I always say, one of the things I like to say is try to get quiet, put your phone away for like five minutes, turn off the notifications, maybe get a journal or just think or talk out loud or talk to a friend and see kind of like calm the chaos that's around you. And people can do it in different ways. For me, I'd like to sit with my little call map and and uh, try to get all the thoughts out of my head, but very difficult to do. But I think some people just need to sit still for a little bit just to realize what they actually like to do in this life. So think about like today, hey, you know what? Something happened at school today or at work today that I didn't really care for. Hmm, I wonder if that's really like what I like to do. Or, hey, this happened at work and you know, I was involved in this project and I got to do tasks A and B wow, was that fun. Wow, time flew by. You know, maybe I should kind of dig into that a little bit deeper and see if the company has more of those roles that they'd like me to do. So it's it's not something that like, we weren't born to wake up and know what we like to do in our world, in our life. So it's just every day kind of getting quiet. And I, I might be babbling on this topic for a little bit, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's very, it's very important. No, it is. And it, you, you don't realize how much that can impact just like your day as a whole or just, you know, stress yeah. levels or things that you yeah. have. Like it's it, definitely I could not agree more. And what like someone that's looking for jobs and things that you've already kind of mentioned some of the obstacles that you could encounter. Mm -hmm. But um, how do you know, like what is your services and things provide to help assist people with that? So I basically try to focus on the job board specifically. So I just direct people to that URL and say, go ahead and search. And if you're interested, apply to the company. I used to be in the middle between the candidate and the, the, the company, and that did not work because it caused delays and I just couldn't keep up. So I removed myself from that equation. Now, I also have a lot of training that I do, um, not to promote this because it's really kind of not much, but I do have a very tiny YouTube channel where I've done some videos with this great person, Chia, who is very good with um, talking to other Kakehashi employees, like we're the bridges between people. So we've, we have some phrases to share. A lot of the blog posts and stories are meant to inspire people and give them advice on what they can do if they want to search for a job, especially the Senpai success stories. They're written by so many guest speakers that, you know, like if they're in IT or maybe they're in teaching or finance, you can kind of read what they're doing 
and get ideas for how you can also maybe uh, f follow their footsteps. Um, the training I also have, I have Japanese Jobs 100 and Japanese Jobs 200, and that's more for, I'm kind of focusing on the 200 portion because a lot of people can come back from Japan or they're looking for a job at a Japanese company and maybe they have the language skills and maybe they have some business, but they need to polish it and get ready for like their first real job. So what I do there is I will give them, I, um, we just had a live cohort last September. I'm going to make an evergreen portion uh, sometime maybe March of this 2023 so that people can get it anytime they want, not have to be live. But basically, it's going to introduce you, hey, first job, first week of onboarding, this is what I have to learn so that it sets you up for success so that, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And I've trained people in the past live and, and online. I think I, I feel comfortable saying, hey, you should learn these phrases. You should learn these business concepts like horenso, nemawashi, honne uh, tatemae, and things like that. And then, hey, if you're going to be supporting people who speak Japanese, let's say expats from Japan, here's how you can help them because of what you've already experienced. You know what it's like living in a foreign country here. Take it to the next level. So things like that is what I try to do. So um, some of those are free and some of those are paid. But basically, it's the free job board for candidates. Go find a job. There's plenty out there and just apply and good luck. For you, like when you make it back to Japan then, because like you said, this was not like on your radar before then. After living there and coming back again, I'd be interested mm -hmm. to see like what are kind of like your go to like meals or locations that if you, and when you go back that you oh, want to yeah. actually hit upon. Oh, well, Definitely, I need to eat jakiniku because that is like the most amazing thing ever invented. And I mean, I know it's originally Korean with the barbecue meat and I've been to Seoul and I can tell you, you need to get Korean barbecue in Japan because it's like a whole different level. And there's this one place that does avocado kimchi that's just divine. Uh, I can just eat that all night long and not even um, look at the meat, but obviously also the wagyu meat. And uh, yeah, the sukiyaki, of course. And uh, there is in Asakusa, uh, you can take a river cruise and uh, there's this harbor office where you can get the tickets for the river cruise. And then on the other side, there is this amazing uh, kaiten sushi place like the, the where they go around. But the quality is like insane. So if I want to get the same quality, for, I will pay a few euros per plate there. But I will need to go to Yamazato restaurant in the Okura Hotel in Amsterdam to get something even remotely similar to what I can get there. So yeah, those are definitely places that I have to visit. That might sound strange, but... The best place to get Italian food outside of Italy is Japan. Yes. Because there's so many people that went to France or to Italy to study the cuisine. And um, the level of workmanship uh, among all these chefs is just insane. It's off the charts. <laughs> now that I'm back in Amsterdam, I'm never eating pizza again because it just horrible compared to what you can get in Tokyo. I'm I'm ruined for life. <laughs> so yeah. I agree. We were talking a little bit before we started recording and that's one of the things that I'm saddest about is that there was a gentleman that ran his restaurant in Kyoto that we stumbled across. It closed down and that was one of the things that oh, was like one, no. of, one of my favorite places. We went there. I, I went there like twice. I wish I could have gone there more but the first time I <sighs> went there with my group we were just going to go for a meal and we were going to go back to our place. We stayed for three and a half hours and we must have had like five or six different like servings of different things. And I think we would have kept on eating if the gentleman was like, I need to close. Like, and, and we're just like, so well, actually in Kyoto, they have a special way of uh, letting you know that you're no longer welcome. 
So in Kyoto, at the end of the meal, they will give you a cup of tea, and that is basically your fuck off tea. Yes, yes. So <laughs> if they offer you another cup of tea, don't ever accept because that means we are considering you very rude to still be here after we giving you the fuck off tea. So <laughs> it's really time for you to leave now. We're just trying to emphasize that here with the tea. So yeah, a lot of foreigners are like, oh, more tea. Yes, please do. <laughs> and they're like, oh, these, these bloody foreigners. I can't right. get rid of them. That's right. It's like, yeah. no, we don't still want you. Don't you know what this means? <laughs> yes. Come on, get a move on already. And those that's important things to know. That is definitely yes, important sure. things to know. You've been to Japan now a few times. What would be that first thing that you're looking for to do when you return again? Oh gosh. There is something about landing and going through all like the the entry stuff like through immigration and getting your 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 stamp and everything like that. One thing I'd never really taken time to do was to get food in Narita or Haneda. I'm always like rushing out. And I think the first time or the next time, one of the first things I want to do before I get on like the next, like the Narita Express into central Tokyo is probably just take a moment and just eat some food in the airport because there are a lot of really great offerings because, you know, I'm sure, you know, the Japanese love showcasing their culture in particular with like clothing and, and omayage and food. And those are things that I just, every time I'm in the airport, I just rush by it. And I've always felt like I've had to be in a rush, but you know, you're on vacation. There is no rushing. You don't need to. And I think the next time, the first thing I want to do is like take a breath, slow down and really just take in and absorb the fact that I'm in Japan again. Let me eat some food and, you know, just kind of be thankful for the ability to kind of go because I know that not everyone gets to go. It's a it's a big trip, you know, and for Westerners, it literally is on the other side of the globe. So just take some time, eat some food, reflect and be thankful for the opportunity that hits home Maurice because like it's so easy to get stuck in that I've just been on a plane for forever I just want to get to my lodging um, and kind of blow through those things but I'll say like uh, as much as Narita is not my first choice for airports to go through I love the mall Mm -hmm. that's near the you know near that airport and I love just walking through and just seeing families be families and, you know, like in the food courts or shops or other things. That's been some of my most enjoyable experiences. And like I would have missed out on that if I didn't take the time, you know, kind of like with what you're saying that, that that's I love it. I love it. Um, what are some future locations that you have uh, when you return again, my friend? OK, so can I step back for one yes. moment? I'll answer that. But I want to step back for one moment. Uh, so. You mentioned that, you know, you're also a Shenmue fan, which is awesome. Go. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, Shenmue from day one. And I don't know if you're aware, but the third one was a Kickstarter yes. project. Um, and uh, it was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And I don't know if I, I did. I'm surprised I didn't tell you this, but the timing of my trip in, in 2019 coincided with the release of Shenmue 3 the exact day. That's awesome. When I got to, yeah, when I got to Tokyo, Shenmue 3 was releasing that day. And there was a picture of me with my buddies going into like a, I don't, I forget what the store was, but I picked up a copy of Shenmue 3 on release day off a shelf in Japan. And, and it was pretty wild. Uh, it was pretty wild. Cause it was like, the game had been delayed so many times and I'm like, well, if the game happens to come out, I'll get it. If I can, if I can't, then I had, I bought a Kickstarter copy, so it'll arrive to me whenever it does. But it just so happens that I was there the exact day that it came out and I got to experience that it was wild because it felt like serendipity. It felt like, wow, this is, this is some kind of cosmic kind of coincidence that is probably never going to be recreated in my life ever again. So that was really really interesting what's one of the first things you'd recommend for someone visiting japan you know they wake up their first day there like what would you recommend to somebody and i agree with one of these responses i know this one already like you you don't know how much i already agree to this but you know i'm curious to know which one you agree with though (laughs) Um, 
for those who are first entering Japan, after a long travel day, to me, it kind of feels like you're hungover, right? You're tired and you're exhausted and you're sleep deprived and you wake up the next morning. What's the first thing you want to do when you wake up, right? You want to get some carbs and you want to take a shower, not in that order. So my recommendation is whenever you're rested, you wake up, the very first thing you should do is go to McDonald's and <laughs> try their chicken breakfast sandwiches. It tastes so much better. And I feel I actually feel better after I have a chicken sandwich. Just don't eat one every day. But the first day you should give one a try. <laughs> no, I, I I would agree with the McDonald's sentiment. I, I love their breakfast sandwich, the sausage patty with cheese and egg. Mm-hmm. And there's like three of them stacked on top of each other. And that's like my go to more than I care to admit, like when, I, when I'm there starting off my day and people are like, how can you do it? I'm like, it is so much no better good. than the McDonald's. It's so much better. Like you don't understand until you have it. It's not like going here. It's like, please. Everything at, everything at McDonald's tastes better here in Japan than it does in the United States. Even their French fries taste a little bit better. So I definitely, the first day before you go explore and go wander, definitely just say you tried it. Just, just, just go do it. I promise you won't, you won't regret it. And when you were there on vacation, um, what were some of the favorite things that you did? Oh my goodness. I know that we wrote this down, but I have like so many more after thinking about it. So some of the very most favorite things that I've done, I am, like I said earlier, I used to want to be a teacher for history. So I personally love American history. And one of the first cities that kind of like been realized I was actually here and I moved to Japan was actually seeing and visiting Hiroshima and um, checking out the Peace Memorial and the Peace Park. We went at sunset and nobody else was out because it had just gotten over like a rainstorm. And for some reason, just at that memorial specifically, and kind of just taking that moment in and having nobody else there around you, except me, my husband, I just loved it. I loved Hiroshima. I love the park and Fukuoka. The amusement park is so fun. You can spend all day there. And really anything in Tokyo, anything and everything in Tokyo specifically was my favorite thing to do too. That's awesome. And I saw that you also went to Sasebo and Fukuoka and Nagasaki and Fukuoka. Mm-hmm. I will tell you is on my son and I's trip here coming up uh, this summer. What could you tell me about those three locations? So let's just go ahead and go in order from going down. Fukuoka is known for having one of the prettiest amusement parks in Japan. And what people, when people think about amusement parks, they think about like roller coasters and thrill rides. But this amusement park was different. There was a lot of like virtual reality rides. So you would sit on a chair, wear the goggles, but it feels like you're actually on the roller coaster or it feels like you're flying through the air. I was laughing hysterically the whole time through one of the rides. They actually had to like tell me to shut up basically. And like, <laughs> I was just laughing so hard. And everyone's like, what the heck is this foreigner doing? But I feel like that amusement park was my favorite. There's no roller coasters. There's a Ferris wheel, lots of virtual reality. There's games for the kids to play. There's mansions and museums to check out. You could spend all day there and then want to go back a second day because you haven't had time to finish the first day. And that was my favorite part about Fukuoka. And Sasebo, really, we just went down there because my husband used to port down there a couple of times for the military. And he wanted to go all the way down to Sasebo because there was a ramen shop he wanted to go back to. So uh, we, yeah, long train ride and everything because he really wanted to go to that ramen shop, which was perfect, by the way. So recommended that but really Sasebo is more so like a military town for us military couples it's nice to go down there though just to see parts of Japan that not many people think about and it's not that far from Nagasaki it's only maybe like an hour train ride north of Nagasaki and Nagasaki of course is the other you know historic site that you want to check out if you're into history too what can you go ahead and share about yourself and if you don't mind, um, you're awesome shirt as well. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so my name is Stephanie or Steffi, as you've mentioned. Um, I'm an American living in Japan for around four years. Uh, I try to just do everything I can. It's kind of my personality. I do not relax. Um, my friends will tell you this. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just I post a lot of travel or a lot of random stuff that I do in Japan. Recently, I've been um, doing Taiko. So I posted a, a thing about that. Um, anyway. So yeah, I just, I try to do everything I can. Um, this shirt, uh, I have not been paid to sponsor this brand, but they are so amazing um, that I do it out of uh, pure love. I didn't even mean it. I'm doing it out of pure love. Ah! 
That's right. Listen. It's like, come on. Come on. If there's an advertiser listening, like, come on. Come on. Yeah. You, you have to give that to I her. Mean, they, they really should. They really should put me on the payroll. But <laughs> this is, you just see the accent mark here. This is Pude fruit gummies. Um, Pude fruit gummies are the best fruit gummy you're ever going to have in your life. So I would highly recommend when you come, please try to collect them all. I will definitely do so and, and see if my daughter uh, compares them to her her love of fruit by the foot. Um, you know, like, you know, like hey, that, that comparison, yeah. that, that hardcore, like mm. that's that's intense. If you're you're going so far as to, you know, her love of that, I'm, I'm going to bring it back, hand it to her. Please you know, do. Addison, Please Addison, do. you can already know that you're going to be getting this, even though I know you don't listen to my show. Um, <laughs> and they look fabulous. The <laughs> packaging. Yes. The one thing I do love about Japan is packaging. Like, oh, my gosh, it's on point everywhere you go. Yep, so you got like the, 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 the slice here, you can see the inside. I, I, I will say that it is a different flavor palette from fruit candy that's like made for children. So it is possible that children might not like it because the the thing about it is it actually tastes like the fruit it's trying to mimic. It's really amazing. See, you see, unfortunately, or I should say this, not, not unfortunately, fortunately, unlike her dad, um, who has that unfortunate sense of liking things that are like not good for him. She likes those healthy things. So oh. I think this might be a hit. Maybe she might, she's the person. I, I wouldn't go she's saying the one these that's are healthy, like, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to the chocolate dipped Oreos that were in her room that may not be there anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. When she comes home that dad might have found. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm assuming maybe a little healthier. Maybe a little possibly. bit. Maybe they <laughs> are coated in sugar, but there is fruit etch extract to some percentage in it, at least. Yeah, you know, that's why whenever I have chocolate, I say there has got to be some cacao or whatever. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. There are worse uh, things in the world to ingest than chocolate. <laughs> you, have to, you have to find the one that's filled with your fruit snacks now. Like oh my if that gosh, is, like, I should make a pude taiyaki. <laughs> That's right. Marketers, where are you? Where are you, recruiting? That's right. <laughs> The collab that no one knew they needed. No one knew they needed, <laughs> but as soon as it hits, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Huh. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess but, I tend to go but, all in on things, I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to go ahead and take a moment now and just move on to your Instagram and your YouTube channel. And I kind of already said this, but like, I, I'm jealous of anyone who's beat me there. And I can honestly say that looking at all your different videos, I even love the fact that there's like imperfection to your video. It's not perfect, very much enjoyable. Could you go ahead and just share a little bit more about your YouTube channel? Sure. Yeah, I like that you mentioned my channel is not perfect. I kind of decided that from the beginning, like I'm sometimes if I say something really dumb, I'll take I'll take a reshoot. But <laughs> Uh, like right. other than that yeah like I, I don't really like if I have a friend with me filming or if I'm filming myself like I almost never retake things because it's and I, I don't want to say anything negative to people that do that because some people put out some really amazing looking content but that's not the direction I wanted to take so I, I think that shows through in my videos that like what you see is what you get like life is goofy I'm goofy Japan is goofy everything is goofy like that's the way life is <laughs> I like it. But, I like it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really like to travel to different parts of Japan. I think probably the favorite couple of videos that I have up were I went to Hokkaido in the summer and I, in the winter, I went to Hokkaido in the winter because it was cold. <laughs> I went to Hokkaido in the winter and I walked on drift ice. Like that was such a cool experience. Like if, if somebody has the chance to do that, definitely do it. And also Gunkanjima in Nagasaki, which is a little island off the coast of Nagasaki Prefecture. It's pretty much an abandoned concrete jungle. It's like super apocalyptic looking. It was really cool to go there. But yeah, I have a video that I'm working on now, which should be up by the time this podcast airs, is the Nagoro or Nagoro Scarecrow Village in Shikoku, which is really not easy to get to. It, I, I know it's like fa fairly viral, um, so some of your listeners might know about it. But yeah, it's like it's really hard to get to. So if you are coming here as a tourist, it's not impossible, 
but it's not easy. So I, I, you know, I'll be really happy that I can share that with people who maybe won't have a chance to get there or inspire people to. Look how professional you are. We talk about imperfections and you bring it right into the show. I love it. Look at that. That's like it's planned. It's planned. Planned imperfections are not imperfection. The goal of my show, though, is to help people get to Japan for the first time. Or in that vein, too, though, like make their next trip even better. And I feel your channel feels like you can speak to something I can't in that regard. And that is just being like a solo woman traveler in Japan. And I feel like, Steffi, like we're already get. I feel like we're going to have like another interview later on. And we can go like, you know, even more into depth, like we were talking about uh, in that regard. But like, could you share a little bit of about what that's like? Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, for for people of any gender, Japan is really solo travel friendly. There is a lot of restaurants that are like there's a lot of Japanese people who who are kind of loners. Um, Unlike, you know, in Western culture, it's like you don't have friends. What? You know, but here it's like I just I just it's more like I like to do my own thing and that it is what it is. So um, it's like it's more accepting of that overall. So there are plenty of like restaurants that are like literally geared for one person. Like they, they don't have tables for two people or if they do it's not the whole restaurant so if you walk around by yourself nobody's gonna judge you like i feel like a lot of westerners like i don't want to go out to eat by myself i'll guess i'll just eat in my room like you don't have to worry about that at all but yeah as far as being female it japan is generally a very safe country things do happen it's not like you know paradise where nobody ever gets hurt or anything generally it's safe i hitchhiked one time not literally hitchhiked, but like someone offered me a ride and I took it. And my other female friend hitchhiked. Hit, hit, well, that's hard to say hitchhiked. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we are both still alive to tell the tale. Yes. So, yeah, I would generally say it's safe. You know, there there are things that happen to women more than men, obviously. Like I had an illicit photo airdropped to me one time in a random train station. Yeah. And I this has not happened to me. But I have heard stories that other women have been like alone in a park, just enjoying themselves and some man exposed himself. So like things do happen. Train groping is a big thing. Again, that's never happened to me. Um, but it's not like it doesn't happen to foreigners. Like I've, I've heard other foreign women say that they've been groped on the train. Um, and also upskirt photos are a big deal, especially in train stations, like going up the stairs to the platform. Like it happens. But that said, I have only felt like actually unsafe maybe twice in my entire four years here which is like if i were living in like new york city or la it would like literally every day (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) yeah so I, i would say it is generally pretty safe um i did have a guy this is this is not this is a bit strange it's i i did have a guy like come up to me and make fart noises one time I was like, yeah, I was waiting by myself at some small crosswalk in Nagasaki City. And this guy who must have been in like 50s or 60s just came up and was doing like. (laughs) And I I was like, okay, maybe he's not doing it at me. But he like also stopped to wait at the same crosswalk and continued to make fart noises at me. That that humor, you know. Sometimes we never leave. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a bit. That's, that's odd. That's an odd one. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a bit strange. Like at that point, I don't know. Is it like? Is it sexism? Is it xenophobia? Maybe both. Who knows? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it's like, or right. like, are you, you're like, it's just somebody dealing with. Yeah, some like, sort of I, it, might, like it really you know? might not be about me. Maybe he walks around <laughs> making fart noises. I don't know. To everybody, the, the locals know him as the, the fart noise guy. Oh, that's fart noise guy. <laughs> that's hey, right. good morning, fart noise guy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I spent some time prior to our interview, like I've said already, watching your YouTube channel. And you do have some very valid uh, and some wonderful uh, you know, stories you. that you have there. Can you share with us a little bit about your experience with delivery? Yes, I can. Um yeah, I I have a video up about this actually where my friends and I ordered some Pizza Hut and some Domino's like I did a, a like a two-part video uh just trying to get like the wackiest pizza flavor pizza toppings and yeah like potato and corn 
and mayonnaise are big, uh, uh, seaweed are common pizza toppings here in Japan, which make it really uh, wonky. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know, the taste might not be horrible. It's just, it's very strange to mentally take in. <laughs> it's like, you know, of the, of the things I saw you eating, like, the, I, I think I was most okay with, like, the mayo and, like, the corn and, you know, like, you know, other ones like that. Um, you know, there, there was some really cool, just different experience. That's one thing I've not done despite my numerous trips. It's always like that thing of like, I, I have my phone set for Japan. So like the store and things are there. So I do want to do it maybe with my son there. I'll finally, you know, pull the trigger, but like pricing. It's so expensive. Yeah. I, I, I can go to the Domino's and for like $8 leave with a large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think because here it's seen as like a party food, like it's seen okay. as like, it's like it's kind of funny the reversal like here sushi can be really cheap but in america sushi is generally well it can be cheap if you know but sushi is typically expensive but so like it's kind of like the opposite which makes sense given the locale if if you think about it it makes sense but it's pretty expensive but yeah i mean it's it's kind of fun like if if you're not a pizza purist or you can get over yourself for a couple of minutes uh, which i <laughs> work on here now and then um it's it's kind of fun to do like just just for fun like oh what what is the wackiest japanese topping we can get but um yeah, yeah the, japan actually does have good pizza um by western standards too you just it's really interesting because a lot of japanese chefs actually train in italy so a lot of pizza shops will have actually really good italian style pizza which is very different from new york yes. american style pizza with which which like most americans know so like american style pizza new york style i should say i'm sorry because is chicago style is it actually the deep dish pizza because i've well, heard that like uno's pizza is not actually chicago style pizza it it, it varies on who you talk to you know what i mean like okay. it, it's i think okay. it, it, it it's all of that and i don't think it's like it has to necessarily be deep dish but i feel like okay. a lot of people if you talk chicago that's you know like what you that's have what you, um, yeah yeah it, it's just the, a thicker crust you know like not necessarily okay. you know as large of a slice and stuff like that and regardless i i'm not picky uh, when it comes to food. So like, I love it all. Yeah, that's fair. That's, <laughs> that, that's a problem. That's, and it's a problem at times. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's great in some ways and causes issues. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for Chicago style pizza, actually in Tokyo, there's a there's a Tokyo franchise called Devilcraft. If anybody wants Chicago style pizza, I would recommend there. But for New York style pizza, because of where I'm from, I am total pizza snob um <laughs> there are like maybe three or four shops in tokyo but it's really interesting because when i travel throughout japan i don't really go around looking for american or foreign food like i want whatever is the local kind of thing but um in nagasaki and kumamoto i randomly found like what claimed to be new york style pizza and okay. it was it was really funny because like nagasaki is really famous for chinatown so i was like walking around I was like stuffed on Chinese food. And then I saw this like map pin and it was like, wait, this looks like New York style. <sighs> I guess I gotta go eat New York pizza. <laughs> you know, this world needs more heroes, right? That's right. That's not all heroes so, wear capes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I waddled on over. And it's actually, it's, it was really good. So in Nagasaki, there's couch pizza. And in Kumamoto, there's pizza Yankee. Both really good. Both excellent excellent new york style pizza i don't know like I, I haven't besides tokyo and Kyushu, i haven't found new york pizza elsewhere i think there might be some in osaka maybe i've heard but so like i don't know is it like a Kyushu thing like Kyushu people love new york pizza but the, the guy in couch pizza in nagasaki told me like i asked him like how did you how did you train to make like new york style pizza he told me he literally went to new york for two months and ate pizza three times a day Wow. And like, yeah, like he didn't he didn't go to any school. He didn't do any training. He just ate pizza three meals a day. He like he he speaks English enough to take your order, but he doesn't like to speak, speak English. So it was just like, you are an amazing person. <laughs> that's that's dedication too. that's Honestly, I love about it. Like it, like it's it, it, it's talk about going all in on something like that is dedication. Yeah. So please go to Couch Pizza if you go to Nagasaki. <laughs> Got a call from a Japanese uh, television company, Japan Cable Television, JCTV. 
and they they hired me to do weekend news. Their main weekday anchor, he was uh, sort of my senpai, my elder in the business. He was also in the, the military. I believe he was in the Air Force and maybe the Army. Frank Rogers was his name. And uh, he liked what I had, what he had seen me do. So he suggested that they hire me to do the weekend news at Japan Cable Television. Uh, so yeah, I was their weekend television news anchor there. And it was a lot of fun. Japan was in its economic bubble years. And I, I had like seven different jobs, but I wasn't, I was making tons of money, but I wasn't even working full time. So I had you know a lot of free time. I hung out in all the jazz clubs <laughs> and, uh, and bars and whatnot. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And then the bubble burst, um, but things weren't so bad. I, I was a, uh, a, a voice actor, uh, narrator, and um, you may have heard of the Shenmue uh, video series. Yeah, I, I, did oh, yes. the, I did the voice of uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Iwao, Iwao-san, who had a son. Um, and uh, yeah, some of, I, I actually, two of my Patreon patrons were fans of Shenmue. And uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of voice work, TV commercials and 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 such i even had a, a modeling career so yeah the abc news i left abc in 1995 and uh, i left on a, a rather interesting note because in january we had the kobe earthquake and i filed uh, quite a few stories especially for abc uh, local affiliates especially on the west coast and then when was it? Was it in March of 95? The sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway system. Um, I covered that quite a bit as well. And I was living in Tokyo at the time. And, and luckily, I, I was scheduled to do uh, some work on that day. And I would have been on one of those subways. But uh, for some reason, it was switched to another day. So I wasn't on the subway that day uh, that the sarin gas attack uh, happened. Uh, a religious cult, uh, Om Shinrikyo. Uh, carried out this uh, dastardly attack on the subway system, killing a number of people. Um, yeah. So then after that, I, I left. Um, I, I was still at um, in in television in broadcasting at TBS, and I also worked as a marketing manager at a sort of a, it was a combination of a restaurant and a nightclub called the Soul Train Cafe. And uh, it got shut down because they didn't get permission from Don Cornelius, who was the, yeah, the, the owner of the Soul Train TV show. <laughs> so, so that had to be shut down. Um, and then I was uh, hired at Bloomberg Television in, in Japan in 1997. And I was with them. It was in September of 1997. And I stayed with them until... Uh, I think it was February of 2000, I left them and went back to the States. So <laughs> I think I've, I've brought that full circle. <laughs> Love it all. I mean, like, there's so much to go through. And I, and I am, uh, like Maurice, uh, a fan of Shenmue. That's one of the first things that we started talking and connected with before we actually got to talking about anything else. So I'm impressed as well. What is your, your moments, my friend, for uh, your, your most recent trip? Oh, so first off, let me just piggyback off of some of the stuff that you said. Um, so obviously you and I, uh, previous, prior to this trip, we'd never met in person before, right? And just through the magic of technology and just a mutual love of a place and a culture or, or just interest in general, it, it was very cool just how quickly the world got super small and you and I were able to meet in person. Yes. You know, just here you go. I'm right here. And I'm like, okay, I'm 20 minutes away. And then I walk <laughs> in this restaurant and there you are sitting there, you know, and that was, it's, it's, it demonstrates just how small the world is, but also how cool and, and, and how connected we are. And that was a really cool highlight. Uh, that was really, really awesome. Um, just these little small things that, that really just show you just how connected we are and, I never take that stuff for granted because, you know, there obviously there are connections that we make with people um, around the globe who we'll never see in our lifetimes. Yes. Right? Yes. 
but it was quite the it was quite the highlight that we made that work and we met up and we hung out had a cool meal I got to meet your son that was very very cool like I said he's a great guy um, that was really awesome also um, another highlight of mine was really getting away from Tokyo like I went all the way to Fukuoka I was like I'm getting out of here you know I'm getting out of here Fukuoka was awesome uh, Hiroshima was also awesome um, I was there two days before uh, the 78th anniversary. So as people were starting to collect and kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, ponder their, their memories or their insights at the site, that was really, really interesting. Um, it, it was really, really cool. I had uh, two conversations with two separate Japanese men about the relationship with America and how they wanted to stay strong and they want us to remain allies and in good standing for the future. Um, I was in a restaurant um, that the hotel staff had recommended to me. And, you know, a Japanese dude, probably in his 70s, he was like, he was like, do you drink sake? And I'm thinking, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, he was like, me, you know, it was like Japan and America have to stay brothers. And, you know, we, we toasted and we had a, a little cup of sake and like the little like wooden box, you know? Yes, um, yes, yes. And that was really cool. And because if you go, because like, I've been to Vietnam before as well, and they do not have that same kind of feeling when it comes to their relationship with America. They just don't feel the same way. And yep. rightfully so, yep, right? Yep, yep. And so the fact that here was this, this old dude who clearly was, Probably the anniversary is on his mind. I'm obviously an American. I'm fat. <laughs> like, I've got like long hair and I talk too loud. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's an American. Let me break bread with him. <laughs> um, but no, the, the, the fact that he reached out to me unprovoked uh, with kindness and with, with wisdom, that was really cool. I'll never forget that because he didn't have to do that. And, you know, because he bought me sake, I tried to buy his meal and he wouldn't let me. He, he wouldn't let me buy his meal. Yeah. yeah. And um, then we took a photo together and then I went about my business. But that was really, really cool. And I'll always remember that. Um, yeah, that was a really, really strong holiday on my trip. And just traveling around, meeting with friends, um, getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. That was another one. And um, yeah. Yeah trip of a lifetime absolutely, absolutely a trip of a lifetime know what you don't care about yeah. and know what you do care about and this goes back to the prioritizing things um you know you and i talk about youtube a lot and people covering the same stuff don't go to stuff just because it's popular go to stuff because you want to go yeah um for most of us we don't get but maybe a week or two or three vacation a year don't waste an expensive trip at that going and seeing stuff that you and your heart of hearts don't really care about. Isolate, identify the things that make your heart sing. Go see those things first. Please go see those things first. You can get around to the rest of the, the popular stuff, but go for you first because the trip is too, it, these trips cost too much money yep. for, for you to go and do the trip that someone else would do or do the trip that a YouTuber told you to do. Go do your trip. Sitting, reading in between your lines Because I miss you all the time